bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. I'm Paul Dragu. On October 6, 2021, 19-year-old Grace Scher was admitted to St. Elizabeth Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin, with COVID symptoms. Seven days later, she died. What happened in between is the subject of a lawsuit set to go to trial next year, despite intense legal efforts to get it thrown out. The lawsuit accuses the hospital and several of the medical professionals who were supposed to take care of Grace of wrongful death, medical negligence, violation of informed consent, battery, and declaratory judgment. According to the lawsuit, after being admitted into the hospital, Grace's father was kicked out. Then the staff attending to Grace increased her precedence dose six times. Grace had Down syndrome and was entitled to an advocate. The shares were eventually able to convince the hospital to allow Grace's sister to stay with her as an advocate. On October 13th, the attending doctor entered a do not resuscitate order on Grace's chart without ever discussing the matter with her parents, much less having obtained permission. Then doctors began infusing more drugs into Grace, including morphine. Eight hours later, Grace's temperature dropped. The nurses told Grace's sister, who became worried, that everything was okay and she just needed to cover her sister with a blanket. About 30 minutes later, Grace's heart rate crashed and thanks to the sedatives, her respiration slowed. Grace's sister panicked and she asked for help. She also made a video call to her parents. And then the entire family began begging the medical staff to save Grace. The medical staff said Grace was coded, do not resuscitate, so they couldn't do anything. Grace's parents protested and they screamed, she's not DNR, save our daughter. Nevertheless, those entrusted to care for her refused to resuscitate Grace or give her a morphine reversal drug. Grace died seven minutes later with her entire family watching. So joining me in the studio is Grace's father, Scott Scherer, and senior editor for The New American, Rebecca Terrell, who has stayed on top of this story since day one. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. What an introduction, huh? Yeah, yeah you did a great job. <laughs> um, uh, Scott, you recently got over a big hurdle with this lawsuit. Um, th- these are not usually the kinds of lawsuits that uh, get anywhere um i have personal experience with this i you know my mother also passed and i know that when we were looking into similar measures uh, a lot of the lawyers were at least the ones that we approached were like we're not taking that medical malpractice lawsuits are extremely rare because of the state statutes that put a bubble around these doctors so there's a statute that limits the liability to 750,000 in the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And the doctors all by statute have to have medical malpractice insurance. So then when they have to defend a claim, they have no skin in the game because mm-hmm. the insurance company is paying. Yeah. So that's one of the that's just one of the many situations that prevent a medical malpractice claim from being won. The other one that's fairly substantial is the statute of limitations. So you have to file in Wisconsin. You need to file within three years of the death. Some people don't even have all the records within two years. They don't even know they have a claim. So the statute of limitations is against you. But the bigger thing that's against you is the whole establishment 
when I talked with a medical malpractice attorney early in the game, I thought we'd never file because he told me there's only a one in 10 chance of winning a, a case. I said, well, what's the reason? He said, they circle the wagons around their own. Mm. You know, they have more money than us. Ascension Hospital System is $30 billion in cash. So, I mean, you can't beat them yeah. unless God is behind you. Well, and that's what you're hoping for. <laughs> well, and so this November, about just about a month ago, obviously Ascension, the hospital system, tried to get the, the case thrown out, sure. and uh, the judge refused. He, he He dismissed their motion to dismiss. Twice? I, I didn't Twice, know that was yeah. the case. In June um, and July. Yeah, so so I got two questions for you. One, did you have a hard time getting lawyers? And then let's talk about the, uh, what um, what the judge said in order to keep this going. I mean, what what, what convinced them? Because again, I'm under, I'm under the understanding this is kind of rare for as far as you've gotten. Well, the lawyer piece, I have to credit 100% to God because after we talked with the best medical malpractice attorney in Wisconsin, I just thought, well, we're not going to ever file a case. Why waste the time or energy if you can't win? Mm -hmm. And when Cindy and I decided to jump in, we just told God, whatever door you open, we'll walk through. And it opened. And we're walking through it right now. So I mean, that's a miracle. But then mm -hmm. we've also had two more miracles that you referenced. And just to frame the the situation from a time perspective, we filed the case on April 11th. What happens after you file is the defense has to respond to your filing. So your filing is called a complaint. Mm. They have to respond. When they responded, they filed two partial motions to dismiss. Those were heard on July 14th. Mm. At that hearing, the judge did the unthinkable, which he scheduled. This is the first miracle. He scheduled the first three-week jury trial in the whole country during the COVID era for a medical murder. Remember, this is a civil case, so it's not a murder case. So yeah. it's, we're not talking about murder here, but I'm calling it medical murder. Mm -hmm. he, so he scheduled the three-week jury trial. The first day happens to be the day before the presidential election. So I think that's also quite interesting timing, given <laughs> how important Wisconsin is, and also given that the Republican National Convention will be in Milwaukee in July. Yeah. So these right. candidates are going to have to deal with our case. Right. Then the 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 next miracle that happened is the judge during the july 14th hearing said to our attorneys i want you to file an amended complaint and the reason was is because we learned at the july 14th hearing that inform lack of informed consent which of course that's kind of the standard in a hospital you just walk in and trust the white coat they don't tell you anything mm -hmm. and so that lack of informed consent is a battery however the not only the state statute lumps informed lack of informed consent utter medical malpractice but there's um, precedent that is has been established with other cases so then the judge asked us to pull the battery claim out and make it a common law battery which we did we filed that amended complaint on july 28th and that's the subject of the next miracle because that really created a stir so now we had two more motions to dismiss he heard on october 30th uh -huh. And he let the entire case proceed to trial, including the medical battery, which is the most important because that's where we can change history. Mm -hmm. 
How is and that? I, you know what? I do. I, I want to interrupt for real quick, just in case there are any listeners who are not completely familiar, because, Paul, you did a great job of summarizing the case, actually, what happened. Hi, but, hi, two, you have to consider most COVID cases are going to involve a ventilator or remdesivir or both. Uh, mm-hmm. Grace was not a candidate for remdesivir. They were trying to get consent to put her on a ventilator, uh, which is why, and Scott and Cindy, her, her parents, said, kept saying, no, 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 no. And so it's Scott's belief that, mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that he believes that at that point when they couldn't put Grace on a ventilator, which would have been a financial windfall for the hospital, that she at that point became worth more to the hospital dead than alive. And that's a central premise of and your so that lawsuit, is, right, right? That is why this is a COVID lawsuit. This right. It, a, has, just, it really has nothing to do with COVID. Right. And, you know, I think that, you know, we... Thankfully, Grace was never put on remdesivir. They never asked about that. But the pressure for the ventilator happened five times. And now that I've become a full-time advocate and researcher, I see why. The ventilator has about a $300,000 payday, which, by the way, that's still in play. So when when they we denied the ventilator pre-authorization request for the fifth time, Plan B went immediately into play. And Plan B was to kill Grace with the meds and the DNR. So mm. in, in the same phone call, if you get... To the details of the morning of the 13th of October, Grace's last day on earth, the doctor, while we were on the phone with him, increased, after he told us Grace had such a good day, but after we denied the ventilator pre-authorization, he increased Presidex to the maximum allowable dose while we were on the phone. Mm. And simultaneous with hanging up the phone, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on her chart. And if you look at the statistics for St. Elizabeth's Hospital for that day, you'll see they were at maximum capacity and had people in the waiting room. So we made reference to that in our complaint. Uh, you know, it's in, I'll read that to you in our brief in opposition because we made reference to that. Is there a financial incentive to turn a bed over? Yeah. yeah. You know, and this is why medical battery is so important because you finally get to talk about intent. Yeah. Malpractice really means negligence it was an accident yeah and sure. battery means intent. intent yeah and and this is a, obviously a very bold claim that you're making you're claiming they intentionally did this we got to take a break but i want to come back and talk about the dnr and what the precedex does in many other topics Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Folks, for more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you get a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth about the attacks on our nation from within and without since 1985. 
No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on the top and then on the drop down, hit subscribe. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription. 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. All right, guys, so we're coming back here to this story. I got a few questions. First of all, there's this DNR uh, issue here, this do not resuscitate. Um, what you're saying is they, they put this, they coded her this, or they put this label on her. They didn't talk to you guys, I guess because she had Down syndrome. Uh, they're supposed to check with you or how, how do they justify it? Do they acknowledge that they put this on there or are they saying that you guys agree to it? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, they acknowledge that they put it on. You can't deny that. It's right in the medical record. Mm -hmm. So that's easy. In the challenges, and you had mentioned earlier about the, maybe it was off camera, about the medical examining board. And this is really critical that people understand what's going on because this is how they control all of our health care. In Wisconsin, we have a statute 448.30, which is the informed consent statute. And if you read it, it will read logical to you, but it's not logical at all because they set it up so they could write 448.40. So just take a, a major step back. If you read the Bible, what does it say about lack of informed consent? Let the people perish, huh? Treat your neighbor as yourself, oh. right? So if you're a doctor, Paul, and you're a doctor, Rebecca, wouldn't you want your patient to know everything that's going on? Why do you need a statute to lay it out, mm. right? There's no Very need true. for the Good statute. Point. And if you read the state constitution, it says that any law that's passed that takes away a person's right ex post facto is illegal. Yeah. So this is an ex post facto law that's illegal. And the reason I'm bringing this up because 448.40 says if you have a complaint, it's heard in front of the medical examining board. That seems okay until you realize that's 10 doctors and three lay people. So this is like the police officer giving his buddy a ticket when he pulls him over for speeding. Not going to happen, right? Yeah. So this is, it's critical to understand how the cabal has this tied up where you cannot win against these doctors. These doctors then are subject to the Department of Safety and Professional Services. They wrote a memo to an investigative reporter that came, he flew to Appleton to meet with me about Grace's DNR. And he probed around and they wrote to him on December 5th of 22 and said, the statute for DNR, state statute 154, does not apply to a, a doctor in a hospital setting. Wow. So just think through a DNR, just common sense, right? This is the most important document you could ever have on your life. Okay, and you don't have to get permission? That's insane. So that so they don't have to get permission and they can choose all willy-nilly to apply a DNR on whoever they want. Is that what the is that what they're claiming? That's why we have the fifth claim in our lawsuit for a declaratory judgment because this can't stand. You can't have a regulatory agency make law. Well, on what basis did they apply this then? So do they apply it to some people and some not? I yes. mean, were they saying that she was so far gone that, you know, they have what was their justification for applying a DNR to a 19-year-old woman? I, I wish I could answer that. You know, we told them we do not want a ventilator, which is called DNI. Of course, we know the terminology now. We don't. He's not on the phone with us saying, "Well, that's a DNI, right?" You know, that's not how it happens. You know, do not when, intubate. Do not intubate is DNI. So, 
you know, I don't think this was a mistake based on the facts and circumstances that happened. So, I mean, could he have quoted it wrong? Is yeah. it a mistake? Well, they haven't admitted that. When, when you look at some of the details that they've supplied so far, they're not saying it was a mistake. Yeah. And they're relying on their department's interpretation of the state statute. If you, mm. if, if you read state statute, statute 154, it's very clear. I mean, it just would be a common sense statute that you have to get the person's permission to put a DNR in them or their advocate mm-hmm. or their power of attorney. And it also says that if any one of those people wants to revoke the DNR orally, it's automatically revoked. Automatically. So even if Grace would have signed her own DNR, let's just go to that level, which we know she didn't, but if Grace would have signed her own DNR, when Cindy and I scream, she's not DNR, save our daughter, that, should that have lifted, instantly yeah. revokes the DNR. And that's not just exclusive to Wisconsin. That is that is true wherever, where with DNR, that's true wherever you go. This guy, All and, nurses know that. This is so bizarre. Let's talk about this precedent. I know that in the lawsuit, one of the things you mentioned is that as soon as you guys were kicked out, they upped that. What is the significance of that? Rebecca, you want to? Okay, Presidex. Yeah. That is, a, that is a surgery sedative. It is not supposed to be administered for more than 24 hours. In fact, I've never heard of it administered. It is pre-surgical sedative. And mm-hmm. for her, Grace's, Grace was not only administered that drug for four days straight, but it was increasing, it was continually increased the dose the dosage yeah and then on top of that a couple of doses of lorazepam ativan and then a dose a final dose of, of morphine, morphine which you know you never you no nurse i, I can't <laughs> these are fundamental nursing school yeah the 101 so is they, this why you're alleging they did this you're accusing them of, of of intentionally trying to end grace's life i i mean as a nurse uh, I don't know if we mentioned that you have a nursing background. Okay. Um, does that seem like ner- like they violated nursing 101 rules? I would never, in my own private, in my own practice as a nurse, I would never have acted in that way. That violates basic, sensible nursing judgment, which is actually a technical term in nursing. Mm. Is, it, is it sensible? nursing judgment good nursing judgment that you're using um and as scott said if you do administer any of these sedatives you always have that the antidote available in case something goes awry that you can administer it and save that life Um, and that was not the case yeah the morphine package insert says that if you combine those three meds you're supposed to monitor the patient directly and keep the reversal drug bedside Mm. even if there's a dnr i would do that on a patient I would mm. never say, well, that's DNR, so it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. DNR means if they, they're dying of natural causes, you know, it's not a drug-induced death. There's a big difference. And we're, yeah. talking, we're talking about y- euthanasia issues, getting into, you know, that kind of thing. And a lot of people, yeah. are, a lot of people are scared of, of, you know, they hear morphine. Oh, that can kill you. Well, right. That's why, as a nurse, I monitor respirations. Yeah. And if respirations are below a certain number per minute, then I don't administer it. That's just, again, basic nursing 101. Your question, though, Paul, is that why I'm alleging intent is spot on. That's exactly why. And it wasn't until April of 22. I had about 500 hours of research in at that point when I connected the dots and how I did that is a pharmacist stepped forward as a whistleblower and I was able to talk with her on the phone and the reason she stepped forward is she couldn't take it anymore. 
She said, what's happening is they're wanting me to sign these orders and I won't. So they wait till my shift change and they get the next pharmacist to sign. So she ends up quitting over that, you know, obvious ethical issue, right? Mm -hmm. So she quits. So she told me what the protocol is. How does it work? So Dr. Gavin Shokar orders the meds. Who is, who's one of the, who's one of the ones in the lawsuit, Mm -hmm. right? So he orders the meds. The next step is the pharmacist, which is unnamed right now. That's why we have some John Doe's listed because eventually we're going to find out all the players. The pharmacist had to sign off on that order. Number three is the alarm had to be overridden because those three meds are contraindicated. And number four, Nurse Holly McGinnis, who had 14 years of ICU experience at that hospital. Who's also another defendant. She's also another defendant, plus ICU experience and nursing experience at other hospitals. She administered the meds. So she is historically the last line of defense. But that's that last line of defense that we've all bought into, the Hippocratic Oath, the nurse is the last line of defense, that's gone. And that's why I'm talking from the rooftops to you know, any program that'll have me on, because this is, if you, if you don't know this is happening, how do you protect yourself? No, no. And you're, you're one of many, I'm, I'm guessing that this has happened to We're going to come right back and we're going to talk about the rabbit hole that you mentioned. Sophia paused before the door. It read department of biodigital convergence. Just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. She entered the chamber and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, Welcome to the singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it, but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future as illuminated by the experience of the past in Endgame. The new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset Collector's issue of The New American Magazine and get free shipping plus an additional 20% off both with code N20, E-N-D-2-0. YouTube had a few words when they canceled us. We had a few words for them. No more. Do more. Subscribe today and get 25% off your first year. TheNewAmerican.com The New American has published our latest collector's edition bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. If we don't practice individual responsibility and provide for ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. This polished collector's edition includes articles on a number of topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other important topics. We encourage you to get a copy. It'll make a great stocking stuffer. You can order copies at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office 
at 800-727-8783. Again, that's 800-727-8783. All right, so we're back here and we got the Scott Shera and senior editor for the New American, Rebecca Terrell. We got so much to get into. Um, Scott, you wanted to kind of fill me in on uh, something that we uh, were discussing uh, last segment. Uh, go ahead and... You, you know, once Grace died, you have to come to grips with your daughter's not there. Then you realize she's murdered. And then, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, I was, my degree is DAD. I don't know anything. I wasn't awake to anything. So I started researching. And then you see, oh my gosh, there's genocide. This is a repeat of World War II. Oh, wow, we're... We're the ones who were behind the eugenics campaign before World War II. You know, you start real. Oh my, what is going on? Well, what they did with COVID, just to have people understand all the numbers with COVID with hospital murders. Very few people died at home with COVID, but they died in hospitals. That's mm. very interesting, isn't it? Well, and, I find it interesting also because I remember during that period they were trying to get more ventilators, but the statistics on ventilators are so bad it, it makes you wonder it's like that alone it's like if you don't believe anything else the statistics on ventilators are flat out they're just terrible irrefutable. they're irrefutable like you can't uh so so it should that, never be used as a tool with covid 90 percent kill rate well they don't right. see like why keep doing that because apparently it, more people die than than live so that you right. would, so anyway it doesn't make any sense well w- 1.2 million Americans lost their lives in hospitals during the 39-month COVID era. So that might not seem like a large number. It's a huge number, but you have to frame it in terms of what does it look like compared to the rest of the world? The United States was number one of all 200 countries on the planet, and we're number one by far. Number two was India. Was so, it really? Well, yes. But they have a population like what? Four five? times that yeah. of the United States, and yet their death count was 531,000. But what about per capita? Were they much lower? Substantially lower, yeah. right? So then you got, okay, what was going on? What was going on? Well, you know, in the depopulation agenda, the United States has to be the leader, right? We're, we are deceiving by our pharmacia. So we had to lead the world in this whole proposition to t- to reduce the population. So right. you think this was part of the depopulation campaign? I, I don't think so. I'm positive mm-hmm. it is. It exposed it. Right. You know, this has been going on for a long time. And how they convinced, you know, the programming involved here is, uh, you know, it, from Satan's perspective, it's brilliant because they programmed us that the elderly and the disabled are non-contributing members of society. And Ezekiel Emanuel said that all the way back in 1996. And he's the chief architect of Obamacare. The non-contributing members of society don't deserve medical care. And that is Marxism from start to finish. Right Right on. And then they they support it with the money. Right. There's 135 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. Those are the disabled and the elderly. Those 135 million Americans account for $3 trillion a year. That's 50% of the annual federal budget. So, I mean, this is way too expensive, right? So you can see how the programming, the programming, the programming. And we have to say, too, it wouldn't be that expensive if the federal government were not involved. The federal government is what has made health care. Health care is just like any other service, like lawn care or dry cleaning or on the free market. It Mm -hmm. wouldn't be 
the yeah. expense and you and we have we know that because the aspects of healthcare like um you know cosmetic well uh, they called it the right thing it would be easier because right. think about i'll give it's you death a, a care right it should be called death care <laughs> just like think about if the life insurance sales people called it death insurance i mean they have a lot, lot harder time selling the policy right <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's true there's a psychological right, there's a psychological aspect. piece to it and it's mm-hmm. it's by design yeah, yeah. but i i mean Going back to this depopulation thing, I, I, we don't know the numbers for China, for instance, but my understanding is quite a few people died there. They, and the depopulation agenda is a worldwide agenda. I, I, we were talking off camera about, obviously, we're here at the John Birch Society, the New American. We've we've been talking about this. For and years. this is very well documented. There's a new book that just came out, which in you know, some of the chapters, it's called Control of Garks. And, and he, he, mm-hmm. uh, he in, fa- in fact, he has this. This is from the, of course, the uh, Rockefeller, it was Rockefeller Foundation sponsored in the 60s or something like that and this what we're showing is a chart uh, a plan to depopulate and it talks about uh, sterility putting uh, sterility agents, agents in the water it talks about abortion pills it talks about abortion uh, it talks about it, it um, encouraging homosexuality mm-hmm. anything anything to keep the de- uh, to keep the po- or to start depopulating club of rome of course very powerful people behind that they wrote a whole book what is it the first global revolution yep. i think that was in 1991 and they and this whole transgenderism yeah they're pushing on the children right I, I would imagine it's another arm of the homosexual Absolutely. so long as people are maimed and cannot uh, reproduce china's one child policy which was the bush and, and herbert walker they were they were very instrumental in in crafting that one child policy. yeah i think it's irrefutable that there is a depopulation agenda. What the question is, and I know where you stand on this, is was COVID part of that plan? And you're saying, and it looks like it absolutely was, huh? Well, look at what the four elements of COVID are. So one is, was it real? Okay, so that's we just start with that. Well, it wasn't real. You know, so we never had a pandemic. We had a plandemic. So we start with that it wasn't real. Then the second lie is that it was. What do you mean it wasn't real? Well, I mean, because people got COVID. People got sick. Yes. We don't know what they had. We know from a lot of the research that it was, they were poisoned. Mm -hmm. So certainly something happened, but they have framed that there's, that this was a virus. It is not a virus, but why did they frame it as a virus? Because then people get afraid. Well, it can spread like crazy and don't touch anything that something, you wash all your food, you know, all the crazy, and that creates a fear. So then they could pull Wait, off. So the you don't lockdown. believe it was a virus, though. You don't. No, believe I COVID? don't believe it's a virus at all. Oh wow, I don't. I don't know how. He's, I I'm, think we can all agree it was a laboratory, um, laboratory contrived uh, pathogen. Yeah, it, it was something. I mean, it was I, I got some, sick. Yeah, Grace I mean, got I sick. had it right. twice. Yeah. I had it twice. Right. It, it didn't feel like anything else. But I mean, it was also um, we know that that uh, credible and effective drugs were suppressed. Uh, not enough to keep us from having it, and it, you know, it really made it easy for us. Right. Uh, and of course, they made it worse when, by the time you got to the hospital, you know, they, whether it be remdesivir or ventilators, we know that they made it worse. So whatever it was, whether virus or not, that it certainly didn't merit the panic right. uh, or the people that it di- that died as a result. Peter Duisberg wrote a very interesting book called Inventing the AIDS Virus, and he addresses all of this. This was long before COVID made its entry. But well, who else was 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 trying to supposedly fix the AIDS crisis? 
The same guy. Oh, yeah, Anthony Fauci. Fauci. Yeah, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. It's 1984, an interesting year yeah. that he took the helm. 1984, yes. was it? Yes. Jeez. It you think that's God trying to tell us something? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah. You were. Well, I don't, I'm a man first, and so when somebody cuts me off, I got to remember where we were. So yeah. no, no, you got to go. Oh, the four things. So. Yes, yes. All right. So the, you know, so the third thing was the hospital murders. So we already just talked about the United States was number one by far. Just peel the layers back. Okay, we had the uh, the FDA approved through emergency use authorization only things that would kill us. So just take the two that everybody knows, remdesivir ventilators. Mm-hmm. If you are in a hospital setting- Then vaccines. Then, well, that's the fourth leg of the stool. Yeah. So, but the hospital murders had to happen. And if you look at the charts, it's then the fourth quarter of 2021 when they were the highest rate. That's when Grace died because that's when they knew they were going to get exposed that this was never a vaccine because the Brooke Jackson case was already filed in January mm-hmm. of 21. The government had already admitted it causes myocarditis in May of 2021. And so then they were incentivizing family practitioners to have their patients get the jab with big money. Yeah. So the hospital murders, they had to ratchet those up. And you know, think it through. If you are in a hospital setting, again, both, you know, just say all of us are doctors and we kill all of our patients. Oh, we gotta come back we after gotta, the break. I, hold that thought, Scott. <laughs> Remember when the only uncertainty in news was the weather forecast? Now, our world is clouded by half-truths, misdirection, and gaslighting. The deluge of lies from leftist activists posing as journalists is unrelenting. At The New American, we hold fast to the timeless truths of our founders. Sanctuary in the storm. Visit thenewamerican.com today and get 25% off your subscription. Welcome back, folks. So Scott, you were talking about the four reasons that COVID is part of the depopulation agenda. So back to, so we'll just review those quickly. You know, number one, it was not a pandemic. It was a plandemic. Okay. Number two, not a virus. It's something, a poison, but it was not a virus. It's never been isolated. Number three is the hospital murders. We already talked about number four, the bioweapon, but the hospital murders, what I was drilling down before break is that this lasted 39 months officially, COVID, all right? Think it through. We're all in the hospital setting. The FDA tells us remdesivir ventilators and a few other things all kill people. So now how long would it take you? How many weeks or months would it take you after you've killed every one of your patients to think this ain't working? Right. How about if I look and see what other people are doing when I get home tonight. Mm-hmm. I've got a fifth leg of that stool though, oh, and that well, is Event 201, because they Johns Hopkins planned out, they had a tabletop practice correct. for COVID that happened just a few weeks before COVID well, well, burst and, and on the scene. They've done plenty of those, and I'm sure yes. if they were here, they would say, we're not planning these things, we're planning in case of in them. Case I'm, of I'm them, sure course. that's, that's what it is. I'm, I'm not taking their side, but, but I say that's a fifth. I say that's a strong fifth. Yeah. On that still, yeah. And they so. reacted exactly the way that event 201 went. They anticipated, these guys are smart. They, they anticipated even, they, everything. Yep. They anticipated the pushback. Censorship. The cent- if, well, if, why are they censoring? Right. If the, right. 
wouldn't you want the truth out? But I mean, they have, they can legally, you know, by the repeal of the Smith Mund Act, they can legally use propaganda against their own citizens. And they have. And they have, right? Yeah. So I mean, that adds, to, you know, there's so, I'm, I was only going through the four main ones, but I mean, you can build a whole oh, yeah. case. Yeah. You know, so I see it as, I, you know, I think God is using it to, you know, he certainly woke me up with it that now you, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. And mm -hmm. so COVID simply exposed the agenda for the people who yeah, were woken it's, up. It's been, a it's been a long time in the works and it's evil. It sure is. Yeah, let's talk about this amnesty and leniency. Um, is it a campaign or whatnot? It, it seems like uh, it's some sort of idea where we're gonna let off the medical professionals, I guess, it, we're gonna give them Im immunity so then they can come forward uh, and talk about these deadly protocols and tell the truth about them. When me and Rebecca were talking in our office, I was like, well, you know, judging from, from your email with Scott, Scott's not a big fan of this, but this makes sense because uh, otherwise, perhaps others who would like to tell the truth but were involved will not come forward. What is your stand on this, Scott? My stand on it is very bluntly, it doesn't fit in God's economy. God's economy has choice and consequence. Mm -hmm. Amnesty applies with mistakes. And by what I just got done talking about, you can see, you know, this was not a mistake. Mm -hmm. If you're in a hospital setting for 39 months and every one of your patients dies and you don't do anything about that, now all of a sudden you want amnesty. And we have, on top of that, we have plenty of doctors and nurses who've already come forward. We don't need more. There's no reason for that at all. So and you why, have the data, of course. That we have the data, yeah, not just, this isn't about Grace's case, this is way bigger. Right. I mean, there's plenty of doctors and nurses who stood with God and quit their jobs, were shunned, and they are the whistleblowers that we can rely on because they were doing it out of their heart. They weren't being incentivized to come forward. So for that, for all those reasons, I think that this is uh, really BS. And I would also add that um, when you, if you just think through, if you have to incentivize somebody to come forward to do this, to do and right you thing. think, well, uh, so just why would you have to do that? Doesn't make any sense. But then, is at that point. And this is the response that I've gotten when I started speaking out against it is that, well, you know, we want to get these crimes against humanity um, out on the table. Well, these are crimes against humanity, no doubt about it. However, that the ends justifying the means is not in God's economy e either. You don't sacrifice principle in order to get to the what the supposed truth is. Yeah. We already know the truth and there's enough people out there that are speaking on it. Yeah. I well, agree with you on that, but I, I will say that I do believe that the people who are pr proposing this amnesty are not malicious. I do, I do think I do believe that they are trying to do the right thing and get the truth out there. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know if I'm convinced that everyone who was involved was malicious. I, I mean, I obviously, I, it sounds like um, the the ones involved in your daughters. It sounds like they were pretty intent on on doing what they were doing. But I wonder how many there are there. It's just just soft people who just uh, by the time they realized they were part of a of a murder plan or whatever, they they realized they were complicit, and I'd imagine that's the case too. Scott, address you addressed that on your website. What was the experiment that they um, did where the people they had to cut the experiment short? To the Milgram obedience yeah, experiment. Yeah, that's, yeah, they made a movie about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, Nuremberg one said that following protocols 
cannot be an excuse. So people have to stand on their choice. Even when authority tells right. you. Even that, when that's authority. what the Milgram experiment that's what the was Milgram based will, on. Exactly. How far will people go when, when, when they're told by authority to do even the wrong thing? wrong thing? So that's what happened with COVID, no question about it. And that's what we're talking about. Should state agencies be able to hold licenses for the doctors and nurses? Right. Why is that an issue? And we went through some examples with Grace's story, but bigger than that is the states, they, they, uh, they can't turn down that federal money. It's like, how do they get public school systems to follow these crazy agendas? Yeah. Well, they can't turn down that money. Right. And so then all of a sudden that trickles down and the authority figure is telling the doctor and nurse to do this. The doctor has a million dollar mortgage and so he just keeps, yeah. you know, so that is not an excuse. Yeah, I would accept amnesty if it would have been applied after the first couple months, mm. sure. but not after 39 months. Are you kidding me? We have three minutes left here. What are you seeing your lawsuit accomplishing? What, what are you hoping it accomplishes? Uh, and what could, I mean, what's the best that could come out of this? We've been calling it a landmark case. Uh, I don't know if it's the only one of its kind, but we know for sure it's at least rare. What are you hoping this accomplishes? Well, you know, outside of the case, I would hope that the doctors and nurses repent, genuinely repent, not saying sorry, but they've repented in their heart. Why? Because then we won. If they repent, that means they're going to change their behavior that caused these deaths. So that's number one. With respect to the lawsuit itself, it has the chance to change the behavior because now doctors and nurses in the entire country can get sued for intent. So they can't hide behind state statutes and their insurance policies don't cover intent. Mm. So we filed this to shed light on evil and the hope is to change the behavior. From a technical perspective, more lawsuits would be filed if we win. Why? Yeah, because the because the pun there's punitive damages with battery. So then the state statute of limita or a state statutory limit of 750,000 is out the window. So now attorneys, we're paying for our own case. Attorneys would take these on a percentage. And so then more lawsuits could be filed. Additionally, the statute of limitations on a battery is generally double what it is for medical malpractice. Wow. Do you think that, uh, I don't want to put the thoughts and words in God's head or mouth, but <laughs> do you think that maybe you're here to do, to open this up and, and to, to lead a path? Grace would have said, God did it. Yeah. Grace would have said to her dad, God did it. And that is exactly, I believe, why this happened, why, why God allowed that ray of sunshine to be taken from our, from our world, and now it's gracing heaven yeah. by the name of grace. <laughs> I, think that's the, I think that is the case. I mean, I can't believe what's happening. It's humbling to be part of it, you know, to think that you're, you know, Esther 4.14, how do you know God hasn't made you for a time such as this? Mm. You know, and so he made grace for that time, and now I'm, I have to carry the torch. And you know, that's why we're all in on this. It's a great cross to bear, but you bear it well. Yeah, Thank you. and there'd be no better way to honor her. Um, honor her memory, yeah. absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Scott. And stay in touch. You're in the neighborhood. Keep mm -hmm. more power to you, and God be with you. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode. To get more truth behind the news, go to thenewamerican.com.